1: Hi, this is Nancy, and I'm here today with a special guest to discuss a topic I believe critically important to seniors and the professionals who work with them. My guest is Dr. Sarah Zeff Geber. She is an author, certified retirement coach, and professional speaker on retirement and aging. She has developed a niche specialty working with solo agers. Dr. Geber is the author of Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. Agers, a Retirement and Aging Roadmap for Single and Childless Adults. Sorry, my Boston's coming out. Which was selected, uh, it was published in 2018, and it was selected that year as a best book on aging well by the Wall Street Journal. With her speaking and writing, Dr. Geber has been raising awareness of solo agers, for the past 10 years. She believes solo agers have unique needs, as do I, in late life planning that warrant greater foresight and a more robust approach to planning. Thank you for joining me here today, Dr. Gebber. Thank Thank you, you. Nancy, I'm happy to be here. So um, I think it's important that we define solo agers.
2: Can you do that for me? What is solo aging? I sure can. Well, I wanna go back to kind of the beginning of when I started looking at solo agers, that I now call them. Um, I realized that people like me who didn't have children, even though we were married, um, really had a facing kind of a challenge later in life. I looked around me and a lot of my friends and colleagues and some of my clients were starting to spend a lot of time taking care of their aging parents. Parents were then in usually in their 80s, 90s, and even, you know, (laughs) topping 100. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, who in the world is going to do that for us? And I started talking to some of my other friends who also didn't have children and realized that nobody had a good solution for it. We're just all kind of (laughs) ignoring the fact that we were getting older and that we potentially needed care sometime later in life. So I started doing some research and I realized that there was absolutely nothing out there about aging alone and not having kids to kind of be that safety net. So I also thought there needed to be a term for it. So I started using the term solo aging and it's now caught on and a lot of people are using it. So over the years though, people pushed back so hard saying, but you're not the only solo agers just because you don't have children. And I realized that solo aging really should encompass more than just people who didn't have children. Although that was my initial target audience. Um, I now really believe that there are people who have other situations. Their kids live 6,000, 9,000 miles away. They have jobs that, that keep them very busy. They may have children that are estranged. It's, there's such a, a myriad other reasons why people often feel like they're solo wagers. And, and I think that especially covers people who are single. Maybe they're never married, maybe they're divorced.
1: Right. With with the current divorce rate and in the boomer community, I note that there are a lot of um, single people, particularly single women.
2: Yes. And of course, more and more now we have widows.
1: Right. And there's widowhood because uh, people are living longer, the fastest growing segments over age 95, and many of them are going to are gonna be without a spouse potentially more than right. likely. Yeah.
2: Yes. And then yes. if if those same people do not have children or anyone in the family that can be their safety net as they get older, some planning needs to be done. <laughs>
1: Yes, it does. It does. So that's how it caught your attention was your own experience of being without children. It caught my attention because um, I didn't have my one and only child until I was 40. And so she's only 25 and has absolutely no interest in um, having a parent to care. You know, she'd prefer not to care (laughs) for a parent for a very, very long time. Um, and so, uh, and I'm single. So you know, I've got a lot, a lot of interest in your work. Let's put it that way. Um, so, um, what are the most significant challenges that solo agers um, will face, and can you talk about what they should do about them?
2: Sure. The I like to think of it as a three-legged stool, like we used to say Mm -hmm. retirement was dependent on a three-legged stool of of, um, income and and social security and and savings. Well, Mm -hmm. by the same kind of model, we can look at solo aging. And just like anyone who's getting older, we have to look at making sure we're protected legally making sure that we have an advanced directive and powers of attorney um, assigned to people who know that they're gonna fulfill that role and have agreed to to live up to that. Uh, Sometimes nieces and nephews are good candidates for this, sometimes younger siblings. Uh, The challenge for many solo agers is that they just don't have people to put in those roles. So I encourage solo agers to really cultivate younger friends that they mm-hmm. might ask to be of some assistance to them as they get older. So that's that's the first leg. The second leg, of course, once again, like anyone, children or not, is financial. So it's it's very important for for people to make sure that they have the financial stability that they need to support themselves as they get older. And I have many, many people who come to my talks that often, rather than raising their hand during the talk, or or even during the Q&A, they'll come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I don't really have much money. Um, I haven't made much over my lifetime, and I, I don't really know how I'm going to Live when I get older, and that's very scary. It's scary for them and scary to me when I hear it. Yes. Um, but I encourage people to think outside the box on that. And there's a lot of lot of different ways that they can better afford to get older and be secure than the traditional um, thinking would would have uh, put before them. So. Uh, I encourage people always to see a financial planner and let that person, that professional, help sort out your finances for you. Make sure you're living within your means or help you adjust to living within your means. So that's the whole financial side. And then there's the personal. And honestly, I think that having, I call it a social network. Having a social network is probably the most important leg on that stool, it's having people that you know are going to be around to to help you and support you and, and keep you from being isolated and lonely. So mm-hmm. that, interestingly <laughs> enough, is a challenge for some people, the biggest challenge of all. But it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be if you do it with good intention. If you know that you need to nurture your your social network that you need to sometimes replenish your social network. I mean people leave our lives for a lot of different reasons. Not just because they might predecease you, but because people move away. One of the big challenges for solo agers is watching some of their friends who do have children move away later yeah. in life in their 60s and 70s to go live near their children. That happens yes. a lot. So solo yes. wagers need to prepare for some of those eventualities, and like the uh, the British always say of their um, their royalties, they need an heir and a spare. <laughs> well, we need <laughs> we need good friends and spares. We need to cultivate mm-hmm. a number of people, kind of to be in our one of our inner circles, so that we aren't lonely and isolated as we get older.
1: Yes, and. You know, I I do recall having a senior many years ago to, um give me the sage advice of cultivating friendships with younger people and um, although I have many young people I mentor and all of that I do have a very dear friend who's 25 years younger and and I call I tell her you're my young friend and that's and uh, we're very close, and it's very nice. But um, but working backwards, I mean, in, in terms of social support, we also now are seeing um, matching services starting. And I don't mean um, dating matching services; I mean uh, roommate matching services. So, home sharing. You know, home sharing in terms of. Um, in terms of dealing with the financial costs related to solo aging, people are uh, beginning to to look at, um, you know, group housing, if you will, uh, one or two roommates. Um, and people are, um, you know, the village movement is an option for some people moving to places where um, there is a village model and, Um, they can, as they need support, receive support from neighbors, something that builds in neighborly support. Um, And there's also, you know, I've often said there's a retirement plan for everyone. I mean, literally, there's a reason a lot of people live in Florida as they age. It's not simply the weather, but there are a lot of affordable living options in Florida and probably Mm -hmm. other states as well. And you hate to have to move, but... Um, sometimes you may need to, and uh, sometimes you can take the equity from something in California and move to, yeah. you know, Mississippi yeah. and, live, and like find,
2: a, live like a wealthier person,
1: <laughs> find a nice community and yeah. pay, you know, a third less for your home. And yes, yeah, yeah. so um, there are a lot of things people do need to seek out.
2: Yes, and I, are, I, I always encourage you to do this before you, think, before you need it because you need to Mm -hmm. uh, develop that social network wherever you go. And it's not hard, especially if you move into a 55-plus community with Mm -hmm. small homes that close together. People are always out walking. It's easy to meet people. Um, There are lots of built-in social opportunities within those communities, everything from... You know golf courses to book clubs to quilting circles you name it there's a group for just about everything so i i do encourage that i know that people are reluctant to move move away from the communities where they've lived all their lives but sometimes it's necessary i actually encourage people to also think about moving outside the borders of the us because there are large expatriate communities mm-hmm. south okay. of our borders that are mm-hmm. very very uh, friendly to um, Canadian and American expats, and there are huge—I I mean, hundreds of thousands of people that are of retirement oh, yes. age live down there. So, and, and it's much much cheaper. Mm-hmm. I I have a former colleague. Uh, we
1: stay in touch on Facebook, and she and her husband moved to Portugal, southern mm-hmm. Portugal.
2: Mm-hmm. Very affordable. Very they affordable just a little yeah. further away
1: <laughs> a little further away yeah, yeah. well you know they they i think he had children and they just um they may come back but they don't see them very often yes yeah 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 Um, But yes, it can be. um, And the first one, um, just living within your means, talking to a financial advisor. um, Legally, it's amazing. It's always surprising to me how, uh, you know, people that don't have their legal documents done or have named their siblings who, when they're <laughs> 85 or 87. And so I, I, I would like to add that um, a lot of the financial institutions will um, act as a, as a power of attorney if needed. Um, and there's more and more organizations on the healthcare side that, um, you know, there are aging life care managers, professional care managers, nurses and social workers who will, uh, some of them in their practices will uh, um, allow themselves to be named as health power of attorney mm-hmm. for individuals. And so there are third party corporate options these days that are growing.
2: There's another one that's growing. Uh, <clears throat> and that's the role of a professional fiduciary. Uh, We have that in California, um, Mm -hmm. as you probably know, Nancy. And uh, Arizona Mm -hmm. is another state that also licenses professional fiduciaries. There's a two-year training program. Uh, It's very interesting the people that go into that field, because I've I've gotten to know uh, quite a number of them in my area, people Mm -hmm. that go into that field, I, I initially thought were probably oh burned out lawyers and accountants and people like that, but not at all. They are... Uh, prior nurses and social workers and people who really have a um, a, a bent toward um, the feeling side of life—they're people, oh, people. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was yes. delighted to learn that, and I, I think that my husband and I mm-hmm. are certainly going to go that route because we don't have any nieces and nephews that live anywhere close to us. And it is very important to name at least one person who is geographically. Within 50 miles of you on your healthcare directive. Well, it's helpful. You have backups Absolutely. that are further away, but.
1: It's helpful, sure. Yeah. Well, um, yes, I, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a certified financial planner, but I got a master's in social work, and I, I've had one of those fiduciary companies for 20 years. And um, although right now they only require certification in New Mexico, they're finally filing a bill to require licensure as well. Right. Um, but um, yeah, so there are, uh, it's, a, it's a growing industry and sometimes people will name the sibling or the daughter 3,000 miles away and then they'll use a, um, a care manager, a private care manager, a life care manager they'll use them as boots on the ground. And so there's a lot of different third party options people can seek out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a program for that. And we have, you know, almost 200 people in that program who have named us. Someday they may need us. I Mm -hmm. mean, I have people, you know, 15 years out that call and finally have a need for help. And so yes, so that is a great option for solo agers. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. I, I'm sorry that more states don't have a licensure program for those professionals because um, they're going to be needed everywhere. Well, the,
1: the <clears throat> yes, the 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 um, National Guardianship Association um, has well, and yeah, on the on the power of attorney side, you're right. There is not licensing, um, although there's licensing for the fiduciary Mm -hmm. who manages the finances, but on the healthcare side, there's not that same kind of licensing. So, people have to be very careful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so, right. So, often people do plan the way their parents plan and what what Mm -hmm. you're purporting here today and also in your book is that this particular group, as they age, really need to plan differently, and it's it's a more unique situation than mm-hmm. than what their parents did and many of the parents, you know um, uh, older than us, had you know four or five many kids, many yeah. children, and so you know, they could divide up the tasks or, you know, the one among them who's interested could actually step in and
2: do that. Yeah. And people used to not move so far from the nest. Now people that's are moving true. all over the world from different jobs. And that's been, that's been and
1: happening for quite some time. Yes, yes. it sure has. So I have a lot more I want to ask you, but we have the first of our two breaks. It's very short, I want people to come back. We're gonna talk about living arrangements and some unique ideas, although we've already talked about a few, as well as we're gonna talk about vulnerability to isolation and um, some other areas. So please join us, we'll be right back.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi, this is Nancy. Welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Sarah Zeff Geber, and we are talking about solo aging and solo agers. Um a big topic this year particularly with covid but with or without covid when we talk about this population we need to talk about vulnerability to isolation and all that that means um, could you please address that
2: Sure um while well, covid has certainly shown a light on the perils of isolation and loneliness and we are so lucky in in our time of life to at least have the internet where we can connect with people visually if not spatially. I kind of think of it as my my two-dimensional world because um, I've like most people, like most of you who are listening, I'm on a lot of Zoom calls and and FaceTime and all sorts of different platforms that we can um, connect with each other, as well as the telephone, and telephone's still a viable lifeline. But it's certainly shown a light on the importance of having a community. Um, an interesting thing that happened in my neighborhood, way back at the beginning of COVID, I think it was probably April, Um, someone in a town about 20 miles away went out on his deck and started howling at 8 o'clock in the evening, which was at that point in the year just about dusk. just like the wolves and the coyotes do to call to one another, he started howling. And he did it every night. And after a couple nights, people went out on their decks or front yards and started howling back. And it made our local news, and it caught on. And I don't know how far across the country it went. Maybe there were people howling in Boston, for all I know. But here where I am in Northern California, we all started howling. So instead of going out on our back deck, we went out on our cul-de-sac and started howling. And my husband thought I was totally nuts because he hadn't read the article. But one by one, the neighbors came out, and we all started A routine a ritual of howling at 8 o'clock in the evening and we knew our neighbors slightly actually my husband and I hadn't lived in that house for terribly long a few years and but we got to know them much better and We actually started getting together with neighbors in a socially distanced way during the summer when we could, and we had meals together on one of our driveways or on one of our back decks. We had socially distanced movie night where we would set up, and it's kind of an outdoor theater with one of our um, uh, monitors or TV screens. And it was just great. We spent the summer doing that. And the nice thing about about getting to know your neighbors is you build a community that's readily and easily accessible. And if if one of us had to use a bathroom, we could just run home. So we didn't need to be in and out of each other's houses and exposing each other to possible um, uh, Covid carriers, asymptomatic Covid carriers, if any of us happen to be, so it uh, was a, it was a wonderful way for us to build a new community right in our backyards, and it made us feel much less isolated, even though we had contact with our other friends through online means. We didn't have a lot of contact with them otherwise, so it's it's not. It's not hard to build community wherever you are. You just have to do it with the intention of making it happen and go out and knock on doors if you need to make phone calls and get together with people that that are in close proximity there but there are lots of ways to form community and and plenty of people have actually formed new communities online and that's that's quite valid too eventually we'll be able to get together and um, have a, a hug or a handshake or whatever um uh, whatever we wish in terms of actual physical contact, uh, but for now mm-hmm. it's been almost a year, and we're we're stuck in this. But what we're stuck in is what older adults often are caught up in, without COVID, because no matter how much we try and guard against it, no matter how much we insist that it's not going to happen to us, that's denial. Our world is going to shrink as we get older. Most people have to give up their driver's license, which is a big deal, especially for people that live in the, in the Western part of the US. It's a very big yeah. deal. And if we're not near public transportation, um, our, we're left with options, with many fewer options. Either we call Uber or Lyft or have somebody uh, drive us. Uh, but yeah. it, it shrinks our world and our world shrinks in other ways. Often people become less able to um, hear as well as they did when they were younger. They're less, less able to see as well as they did when they were younger. And that begins to limit our world. So one of the biggest hindrances to planning is that a lot of baby boomers are in really strong denial about the fact that this is going to happen to them later in life. Now, I have friends that are in their 90s. I have two very interesting contrasts. Uh, two people I know, one is 98 and the other is 97. The 97-year-old lives in what's known as a board and care home. There are a few other many older adults that have needs for assistance with all of the activities of daily living bathing and dressing and grooming and that kind of thing she needs that on a on a regular basis she has to have that help with medication so she lives in a it's like a group home and uh, she's taken care of that way my 98 year old friend still lives in his three-story home in his (laughs) in the town he's lived in for 70 years Uh, insisting that that's where he wants to stay, but he's done an excellent job of building up a social network. He has friends coming by, he has family, he has kids who live in the area and he sees them regularly. Now socially distanced and lots of masks and whatnot and hand washing and, and what all, but they've all stayed quite safe and there hasn't been any COVID exchange. So um, it's we all get old differently. And if you are fortunate enough to live into your late 90s, you just don't have a crystal ball. You don't know if you're going to be like my friend Fran, who's in a board and care home, or like my friend Arthur, who still goes out and plays nine holes of golf once a week. So <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unknown out there.
1: Yes, and and of course, there there are genetic components to how we age, but certainly for uh, a person planning for um, a time when they will potentially not only be a solo ager, but single solo ager, um, working on your health or being um, preventive about your health from um, would certainly be something that this population would want to be super cognizant of and and spend time absolutely. working
2: on. yeah, absolutely, yeah. The healthier we stay, um, the better off we're going to be. You know, keeping keeping ourselves in good shape by doing some kind of physical activity, even if it's uh, walking. Walking is excellent, and the more you can build up your stamina to walk a mile, two miles, three miles a day, it's wonderful exercise, yeah. and also giving ourselves the opportunity to stretch and really move. Um, yeah, just yes. movement is so so important. Well, I think
1: the what the uh, because we have the benefit of modern medicine that keeps people. Um, you know, keeps us from dying of chronic diseases at a much earlier age than than uh, we used to. Um, you know, take that benefit. You know, the goal, uh, spoken by many geriatric m- medical people as well as gerontologists, is to remain as active and high-functioning as possible till the very end of life. Um, right. And you can't do that. You can't wish that. You, you have to actually have to work, work at, at it. it quite proactive. Yeah. yeah. And as a single solo, it would be even more critical, I would think, because there's nobody in your home to depend on necessarily.
2: Yeah, nobody to <laughs> nobody mm-hmm. remind you to, to keep doing all those things. Um, I have a wonderful fr- <clears throat> friend who, uh, when her mother was living, and her mother lived to 99, and she mm-hmm. and her mother used to agree that the plan was to be happy, 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 dead. <laughs> yes, that, and I well, love that. I've okay. always just loved that expression: <laughs> happy, 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 dead.
1: <laughs> that okay. That's a that's a more succinct way yeah. to say it. Um, yes, that that is the goal. Um, I think for many people is is to is to be high functioning. I think the idea of a three-story house was actually a good plan, but I mean he didn't plan it, he lived there. Uh, but it but you know with falls and all the risks.
2: Yeah, I'm not a big fan are looking
1: of it. Right. I <laughs> yeah, was going to say I'm it. Not a fan it has of its it. risks, but <laughs> it is an it is an at-home exercise plan for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, what other living arrangements might people consider? You know, people often think, uh, a lot of older people think if you leave your home, you're going to a nursing home. Um, I'm sure most boomers have now heard, but many, some Mm. may not have, uh, that there is an array of living options. What kind of living options are we looking at these days?
2: Yeah, I feel like I've been banging my head against a wall for the last year trying to straighten out people's idea of what senior living options there are out there. And you're absolutely right, Nancy. Most people think it's either their own home or a nursing home. And there are Mm -hmm. so many options in between. And there are a variety of options for different pocketbooks. Um, but there yes. is an option out there for everybody. And the idea the the idea behind some kind of adjustment to how you live as a much older adult is to keep you safe and to keep you happy, to keep you connected mm-hmm. with people. So what are some of the ways we can do that? Well, there are so, so many ways, um, starting with. uh One thing that you mentioned earlier, Nancy, and that is home sharing. Home sharing is really catching on. And uh, I don't know if you have listeners in Florida, but there's a a new company in Florida called Upside Home, which is doing some really groundbreaking things with regard to uh, home sharing and, and uh, they're not exactly a home ma- uh, home share matching company like uh, like some others that are out there.
1: Silver Match and yeah. Silver
2: Silver Nest Silver, is one of my favorites. Nest. Silver Nest. Yes. Yeah, they're yes. out of Colorado, but they work um, all over the country. So it. you can check them out online. Uh, hmm. But Upside Home H O M rather than with the E on it. I don't know why. Uh, operates out of Miami, and they they. Um, Rent out um, small apartments to people of all ages, but the target market is really seniors and young people who need also to live somewhere fairly inexpensively, where you will uh, have some services available to you. So mm. I would, uh, I I'm not um, well versed enough in it to to talk at length about home. it, but okay. Upside Home just check Good out what you are doing. Yeah. Um, So there's there's home sharing. There are there's a concept called um, co-housing, which Mm -hmm. you may or may not have run into. There's several Mm -hmm. hundred of them around the country. I'm a huge, huge fan of co-housing. It is every it is where people come together who want to make a commitment to build a community together. And they, it's not like the old hippie communes of the 60s and 70s. Everyone actually has, you know, keeps their own, their own bank it would account. Be attractive.
1: <laughs> it would be attractive to those people. Yeah.
2: It is. And I find it yeah. very attractive because. So you it keep is, your own
1: bank account, though. That's, you
2: keep your own yes. bank account. You also have your own completely self contained home with a kitchen yes. and a dining room and all the, you know, whatever bedroom assortment you feel you need. Um, so there are one bedrooms and two bedrooms and three bedrooms and one of the communities I know of even has a couple of four bedroom homes. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, they're, but they run they run the place, they own the land, they own the, their properties, uh, individuals own the homes that they live in. It, it operates very much like a condominium set up legally mm-hmm. that is completely right. managed by the people who live there who come together and Meet and decide how things are going to go. Um, they usually there's a commitment to having two or three meals a week together, although it's not mandatory than in any community that I know of. But if it sounds at all attractive to you, I would encourage you to uh, get online and, and take a look at cohousing.com or cohousing.org, and you'll you can find the many cohousing. Um, organiza- uh, co-housing communities around the country and some outside yes. the country. The concept actually started in Denmark about 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're relative newcomers to it, although it's been mm-hmm. happening here for 20-ish years. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, of course, also is the village movement. If you live near one of the villages, as Nancy mentioned earlier, that helps. that, that helps a lot. I, I think I think of villages as places, um, as a concept that will help you stay in your home longer. Certainly, they have services uh, that vo- usually volunteers provide, although the kind of the wealthier communities have some paid staff in their villages. Right. They have vetted vendors. So if you need yes. your gutters cleaned, you can call up the... Um, call up the central number for the kind of the concierge for your right. village and, and find a vendor. Are so
1: Vendors and they may also have discounted vetted vendors as yeah, well. Yeah, they, yeah. they do.
2: <laughs> and you don't have to worry about somebody not trustworthy coming into your home. So I think villages are a good concept. Uh, some of them are kind of struggling right now financially. It's There's just not a good financial model for it unless it's a very <laughs> wealthy um, neighborhood. Um, It's geographically based.
1: um, I I personally think it needs a large area. I think some of the ones that are struggling are trying to do it with too few people. Like in Boston, they took a very dense populated Mm -hmm. area, a zip code, uh, Beacon Hill, and they started it there. I mean, by now they have, you know, a van with a... Traveling nurse and, and all of that and and of course it is an upscale. Bacon Hill's pretty upscale, but but they had a large population to yeah. draw from, and so I think a lot of villages are trying to be really small. And but you know, it's working.
2: The other thing that they run up against too um, is not well. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. They they it's there are some concepts like that that aren't part of the village movement there's actually a village to village network um, so there are a lot of right. those around um, right. but it's not a it's not a safeguard forever most people that are involved right. in villages some eventually need to move to get more care um, Correct. or have the care come into your home i'm not a huge fan of well, a lot of people want to bring care into their own home I certainly don't want that for myself. I, I, I think that is also a recipe for isolation, but that's just me and, and people who um, value mm-hmm. their privacy a, a lot more than, than maybe I do. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I,
1: in my work, I've had to work with um, in-home care for many years, and I do see some models um, on the horizon that I think will turn it on its head a little mm-hmm. bit that's so. good
2: i'm, I'm anxious that, to see those that area needs a lot of work yeah it sure does mm-hmm. it sure does because there's so many people that are going to need help as they get older and a lot mm-hmm. of people are just in t- attempt to age in place so absolutely that's dicey <laughs> so um
1: we have more to talk about i'm going to take our last break we will um you know we'll finish up on um, I, I think it's really important to talk about all the different options for living arrangements and then um, and then we're going to talk about what what you should do now to begin your planning and um, and maybe talk a little bit about your book if we have time I'd like sure to. so we'll be right back folks um, just a few seconds 90 seconds
2: america is on your favorite smart speaker if you have alexa or google home go ahead and give us a try hey alexa
0: play finding your frequency podcast on TuneIn. are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step is your family in crisis do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one aging life network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to Nancy at com. That's Nancy at AgingLifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi, welcome back. We are talking about um, assist we are talking about living arrangements for um, those aging as a solo. Um I interrupted Sarah and want to um, get back to that. So, there are other things that are really important for people to know beyond what we've spoken about so far.
2: Yes. The ones that I've talked about so far, the ones that Nancy and I've discussed, Lily, are the the non-traditional options for senior living. The more traditional ones are still quite viable, too, for a lot of people. And and people should know the difference between a nursing home and assisted living and life plan communities, also known as CCRCs, Continuing Care Retirement Communities. Uh, For people that do have... A fairly sizable nest egg or a home that's worth a, quite a bit of money, there is the option of moving into a continuing care retirement community or life plan community. And that's a place that you, uh, that you move into when you are an active adult, when you can live independently very easily. Usually there are 150 to four or five hundred people that live there. Everybody has their own condominium or even a little cottage. And your it includes all of your meals. It really includes almost everything you need for easy living. And then you you, <laughs> you you have your car, you have your, your golf clubs, you have whatever you want to enjoy life. You still have your volunteer work. Some people now in CCRCs still run businesses out of them. Or so, are working.
0: Or, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. or
2: are working mm-hmm. or go to work yes. every day. So it's yes. anything you want to do and they are all over the country again they're called life plan communities or ccrcs continuing care retirement communities if you do have a fair nest day um, check them out because they no one i know that's ever moved to one has ever said to me oh i hate it here most people think they've died and gone to heaven when they move into one of those places uh, some people liken it to a docked cruise ship Now, they're going to be changing, though, because a lot of baby boomers really don't like the idea of living on a dock cruise ship. They want to have a life that's also um, got some purpose to it, some meaning. And and, uh, so there, I think you'll see some changes. There's also assisted living. And assisted living is different than a nursing home. Nursing homes typically cater to people who have no other options, monetarily or family-wise, and they need care.
1: Or medically. Yeah, yeah, medically. Their their care is such high, complex medical. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, and they need that 24-7 medical component that nursing homes have. But assisted living is, again, like a CCRC, it's a private pay situation. Medicare doesn't pay for it. And if you have to qualify for Medicaid, then you're probably looking at there's potential for uh, uh, not a lot of assisted living places take Medicaid. But some have a few rooms that they allocate to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's it's. Good to do some planning ahead of time if you think that that's could be where you're headed. Especially if you have you're managing some kind of medical condition already, and you know that as you get older, it will be harder and harder to manage that. And I'm talking diabetes, um, uh, Parkinson's, any one of a number of conditions, medical conditions that really medical science can keep us alive for a long time with them, but we need a little help to manage to manage those. Mm-hmm. So again, I encourage you if you are intent on aging in place to look around your own geographic area, look around your town and find out where the assisted living communities are. Because someday you may need to go to one and it's better to have done the research and find the one you'd like to go to ahead of time so that you can say to someone, know, if I need care, this is where I wanna go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather than having whoever is on your has your whoever has your powers of attorney, or you know, heaven forbid, that you become a ward of the court, and that's what we should definitely be avoiding—having um, somebody yes. else decide for you. So, right. do the research ahead mm-hmm. of time on that.
1: Right, and and my listeners have heard me beat the drum of um, writing down all of your preferences, you know, particularly around medical care, end-of-life care. But this is another area where... Um, You know, and we have a document on our website, aginglifenetwork.com, a values history document that addresses living arrangements. Where would you want to live? Where do you want to spend your money? You want to spend Mm -hmm. your money on care in the home? You want to spend your money on a facility? I often say to families or to individuals, um, find out what the cost of assisted living is. And then Mm -hmm. as long as you're spending under that for care in your home, you know, if you if you don't object to care in your home, then feel comfortable. Yes, it's a lot. Four or five thousand a month is a lot to spend on care in your home. But if it's still cheaper than assisted living and you're getting your needs met, you have to put it in perspective.
2: Yeah. And and put in a perspective of what how you wanna live. Do you wanna to, to right. live in a community? You right. I I'd have right. one friend who um, Moved her parents into assisted living, a beautiful community, Mm. had about 200 Mm. people. Mm -hmm. And both of her parents were living in their 90s, mid 90s, and they, but they needed care. So she and her sisters found this assisted living community. They hated it. Absolutely hated it. They couldn't mm. bond with any staff people because there was a new face every day. They just didn't get to know anyone. It seemed so impersonal. Mm. And ultimately, yeah. they moved them out and into a board and care home where there were only oh. three, or, three or four other residents. And this board and care home, unlike many, actually had a double room for her parents. Oh yes, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, it, different mm-hmm. strokes for different folks. There, That's they right. loved it. They bonded with the people who own and owned and ran the home. They got to know one of the one of the the um, the hired staff members who had been there for fifteen right. years. And well, probably had a little uh,
1: yard and a yeah. garden, and a, you know, it was like living in a home. Yeah. Yes, those can be very attractive
2: options. Yeah, but for them, it was so much better. Than a, a more impersonal um, uh, large assisted l- large assisted mm-hmm. living community. So again, right. different strokes for but different some folks. Some
1: people love. Some people love. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And I want to add on the CCRC, um, and because I, I know you have a lot to cover here, the the uniqueness of them is that as you age all those services are there right up until the nursing facility. You know, independent living, assisted living, uh, nursing care is all continuum. that's why they're called
2: continuing care. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the most important point. Um, You never have to move again. It's all there when you need it, if you need it. Right,
1: and many board and care homes will keep people Um, right through end of life. Um, And so, you know, more and more folks are realizing um, we can't be in little boxes. This is a person with a continuing set of needs. Mm -hmm. So um, in our last few minutes, let's see where we are. Okay, we've got a few minutes. Um, Let's talk a little bit about you and your book and... um, I mean, obviously, people can get it on Amazon. Are there other places they might get it? Um, well,
2: if you like supporting your local bookstores, you can have your bookstore okay. order it for you. Um, yeah, it. Other than that, uh, all of the online booksellers have it. Um, uh-huh. Most people use Amazon. Um, Apple Books has it. Uh, Barnesandnoble.com has it. So, yeah, you can really get it anywhere.
1: And your book, I took note, um, has a lot of uh, worksheets, things to help with planning. Um, and um, I guess this, you know, rolls into um, the question I was planning to ask, was, which was, what should people do now besides buy your book? Um, <laughs> what are the, some of the things they can do now that will help them just get started in a good direction for planning? Sure.
2: Well, take stock of your social network. What does it look like? How, how old are those people in your social network? Are you going to mm-hmm. grow old together with them? Are they going to move away? Are you going to move away? Um, have you cultivated younger friends? Do you have a good solid social network since you left your, your midlife job? Um, those of you who are still working uh, need to think about the retirement transition. Someday you're going to walk away from that job and do something else that makes you happy. Um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you want to continue working for the rest of your life if possible. And some people commit to doing that. Um, it's, it's so different for every individual. So the important thing is to really take time to consider all the things we've talked about and figure out what you want within them. And that's what my worksheets are, are for in the book is to help you make those determinations about where you, you know, where, okay. what is your social network looking like now? Um, relatives and non-relatives. What is, your, what is your housing preference as you get older? All kinds of various um, things that we've already covered.
1: Nice. Good.
2: And um, tell us again the name of your book. It's called Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers.
1: Very good. And um, we, you can, of course, get the get that online, I recommend it. Um, Also, you can um, listen to this show on demand, wherever you have um, your favorite podcast, um, aginglifenetwork.com. We store all of our shows. Uh, For those of you who haven't Listened in um, since 2020. We are uh, redirecting our show not just about caregiving for those we love, but also topics of interest to seniors themselves. And Dr. Sarah Zev Geber is clearly an example of. talking to those seniors and speaking about things that we should be doing from a planning perspective. One of my favorite topics is planning. So I thank you very much for joining me today. And I look forward to um, finishing and reading more of
0: your book.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Nancy.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time and 10 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. We can't wait to talk again.